Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. And you're welcome indeed to New York on this Sunday night to the great rippling music of Joe Buck. Joe Buck's music, so familiar over there, so familiar in Ireland too. His music and our games inextricably linked in New York, in that great city, the Big Apple, the melting pot where Irish and Americans meet, where all cultures meet. Perhaps, I suppose you could say really though, where Ireland truly meets, in Gaelic Park in the Bronx. I'm standing in the middle of the pitch here in a swirling wind. You can probably hear it in the background. There's an aircraft passing over there from LaGuardia Airport and I can see the white streak of another jet in the sky. We're standing here with Dan Kiley in the middle of Gaelic Park, in the middle of the Bronx in New York. Dan, this is a very valuable place here now. Oh, to the Irish people, this is most valuable. Uh, this is where the Irish people have played that native game for the past uh, 50 years or more. And uh, this is where they congregate on the Sunday and they meet the neighbours and find out what's going on at home and find out who, what, who won what match. And everything in everybody's mind up here on a Sunday is nothing only to do with Gaelic and traditional people and traditional things. Now, I mentioned the wind and you can perhaps hear it there in the background. It's swirling around. And there's also ice and snow and water here just to show that the winter in New York is much more severe than that at home. It's not quite over yet. Now, what buildings around us here, Dan? Well, we've got Manhattan College Park here on one side of us, uh, Manhattan College, which is a huge college where is, uh, many, many Irish-American people go to Manhattan College and many big, famous people have come out of Manhattan College. And on the right of that, then, we've got Van Cortland Park, where there's something like 100,000 acres of a public park where you can go on a Sunday and uh, sit out in the sun or train or play ball there, or train there, which you can't do in Gaelic Park during the week because... Uh, the grass has worn down so much from the continuous amount of matches that are played here every Sunday. Yes, all, Five matches uh, w- here every Sunday. I should say that all, all the middle of the, the pitch there looking around us now is quite brown and the pigeons are feeding off it. Now, I can hear a train chugging there in the distance. Well, is there a rail station That's right. You're at the end of the Broadway line here. Gailey Park is situated on 240th Street, just on Broadway. It's in the end of the Bronx. It's uh, the end of Manhattan. It's all in one. And the Broadway line starts and finishes right here, the subway station. And you can go from any part of the city to here by for about 50 cents. In my time, you could travel it for 10 cents when I came out here 18 years ago. And when you came out here first, I suppose you headed for this place. Oh, this is my first stop was uh, Gaelic Park. And this is where I met all my neighbours, people that I hadn't met for years, people that uh, I knew their families at home, and uh, I got to know them from here. And this is where everybody met. And this is where they trashed out things at home and the price of land and the price of businesses and who died and who didn't die. And this is is the main information bureau. (laughs) 
Jackson's reel there from Joe Buck reminded me of long nights, long Saturday nights spent in the Bonratty Bar in the Bronx in New York when all the talk was of music and home, the Cork Weekly Examiner and the Kerry Man, the match the following day in Gaelic Park in the Bronx. When I went to Gaelic Park, it was much earlier this year, it was snowy. I was unlucky. I was there for two Sundays. They had no match. Shannon Rangers were there, a Kerry team. Kerry champions, however, snow and ice precluded any games being played there. However, I did meet John Kerry. John Kerry, who was a legend in his own time, a Kerry man, of course, a brother of Tim O'Donnell, the famous Kerry footballer of the 30s, and would you believe it, a cousin of my own. John Kerry O'Donnell, where exactly did he spring from? West Kerry, place called Camp, most beautiful part of the county. And how old were you, John, when you came over to the States? Oh, 19. And what did you go doing first? In the grocery store. And was business good or bad? Bad. The business was good, but the pay was bad. What did you earn on your first week in, in the States? Well, I missed the first payday, so I had to work 11 days. And after 11 days, I got $22. That didn't make you very happy? It made me so happy, or whatever you want to call it, I quit. I might as well be idle as working for $22, picking spuds back in Kerry, cotton tour, something like that. Kerry has always had a great pull for you. Were you very lonely when you came over first? Lonely. I'm still lonely for Kerry, like all Kerry men should. How did you come across this boat that time? Oh, boat. Seasick all the way. Left Cove, was it? Was it Cove you came no, from? No, Liverpool. And what boat was she? Megantic. And you came in the pier in New York here? No, no, landed no? in Quebec. Went through the Bay of Fundy. I thought we'd never survive. I often heard in geography about the high tides there. I never visualised they were that high. Where did you head for first to New York? I had you a contact. No, I had no contact. Just follow your nose. Came down here from Montreal. And then when you, when you left your grocery business, what did you turn your hand to? To a streetcar conductor, a motorman in the streetcar. And then I hit the, my leader one day down of all places in Times Square and I left the car and everything there and headed out for Detroit and stayed there for four years working for Dodges and learning Brick Lane and came back here and carried my corner of the water for story from the sub-basement right to the top and then washed it down. That's something that you don't do in Ireland. But there are a lot of things that you don't do in Ireland that you have to do here, whether you like it or not. That is, if you want to eat. Like what, most what, what very do. hard do you have in mind? That never bothered me. I always liked that. Working on the Waldorf Astoria, were there many Irish on that job? They were all Irish, because nobody else would be able to do the labouring work. No mule would do as much as an Irishman behind a wheelbarrow, in front of it either. And what was the money like on the Waldorf? The money was good, $99 a week for bricklayers. Where were the Irish congregating at the time? Where were they meeting on a Sunday? Ah, there were dance halls, the Galway Hall, Imperial Lyceum, other halls like that. And, uh, and uh, I suppose up here the, there was Celtic Park and then it closed around 1928 and this place opened and after that we were here every Sunday. The Irish had it very rough in days gone by here, hadn't they? They aren't there living very hard. Well, I... Depending on how you look at it, I would say. 
to the average Irish fellow, when you look back, uh, many a time you have to laugh and say that, uh, oh gee, we had a good time, good enough like. But then if you analyse it and compare conditions then as now, and to see how little appreciation there was for the things that we did then, it, it would set you thinking. I suppose you were very important to this city and to this country. The Irish? Mm. Well, if there are any more important people to it, I never heard of them. Then where were you living at, uh, at this time? Wherever the board and room was cheapest. And how cheap was it? Or was the cheapest board all room you ever got? We, $10 a week was considered all right if the food was good, but paying $10 wasn't always an indication that the food was up to par. And how did you become associated with Gaelic Park first? Well, I was playing football for Kerry. And then the president of the association came to me. And I think then it was 1944 or whatever year it was, that uh, uh, the soccer people were going to take over Gaelic Park and the minor movement was starting to grow at the time. So another gentleman and myself were to take over Gaelic Park at, at Innisfield Park at the time at the suggestion of the president of the association, who, by the way, then was a corkman and a good one, Jim Cotter. He's in heaven now, I hope. But, well, all corkmen don't go up there, I'm afraid, but he's up there. American Papers and Dennis Conroy, please copy. Dennis Conroy is bound to be up there. He'll, he'll, he'll be shop steward up there. I'd say he'd talk his way up there without any problem. He, he, anyway, will, he will, Most likely. When you came out first, John, were you long here before you managed to get back home? Eight years. And I suppose in a way, when one came out at that time, there was the idea you might never get back? Oh, many. You know, it was an Irish wake for many. Many never saw their home again. Many, many, many. In fact, my aunt that I came to live with and her husband, they never went back. Never. Did they talk much about Ireland to you when you came out? Oh, they'd ask you how their relations were and things like that. But mostly they talked about American work and raising a family and things that mattered. What was the football like when you came out? It was good. Oh, it was great. Great. Because immigration, the best of Ireland, came here then and followed the game. Many of the Irish throughout here have played a big part in, the, say, in the police department all over the country. Oh, yes. It was nearly all Irish then. And it was nearly all Irish working in the grocery stores because they knew the fellow brought his faith and manners and lack of theft and funny ideas with him. He played the game squarely and honestly, and that's why most of us got jobs. Not in keeping with our honesty all the time. Gaelic Park plays a very big part in the life of the Irish here. It does? Well, oh, it did. But since the immigration law, you know, it's gone down. It played a tremendously big part, and many a man met his sweetheart here and married, and they had their reception here. Many. Great men. Can you remember the first day you played out here? Uh, I must have a bad game because I don't remember it. <laughs> what is the, the capacity of the place here? How many can you have at a match? Well, we had 12,000 when Kerry played New York here for the National League. I forget what year it was. 68 or 69, one of those years. It's difficult now, is it, with the fall-off in emigration to keep it going? It is, from the 
native-born, I mean from the Irish-born players, but the local fellows, they have 2,000 young lads playing the game here. Didn't we have your minor football team last year? We sure did. And if they were better managed, you'd have heard more about them. Is it difficult to encourage children here to play Gaelic football? Not now, not now. Uh, simply because the mothers are very much involved because they'd like to see their children uh, in sports. And what better sport for an Irish mother to bring up her child than Gaelic football? It often strikes me, took me over here, that the Irish here are more Irish than the Irish at home in many ways. Well, it would be all right for you, sir, that. It wouldn't do for me. Would you, would you comment? Well, I, I, I'd have to think it over, like. I'd have to analyse. Uh, I'd say the Irish here, we, we're second now to Australia and New Zealand, but our welcome is, I would say, ahead of yours. I would say so. Thank Hospitality, you. I would say so. I would say That's that. my no. experience. Indeed. But it isn't nice to be bragging about yourself, like. No, and uh, we don't do that much as Irish. We're very modest sort of people. Well, we have the name of doing it. And one Irish fellow who came here, when he saw, you were down in Washington, saw the monuments, he said, I always thought the Yanks bragged a little bit, too much, in fact. But after seeing what I saw, they don't brag half enough. So naturally, there was no time for me to stop an argument. Talking of Washington, what effect did it have on the Irish, say, having an Irish president like John F. Kennedy at the time? Was it important? It was very important getting him elected and break down the prejudice there was against Catholics. But he was in there for, he wasn't in there long enough to make a mar his mark. And by the time he got out, and after he got out, and we saw what happened to the Irish immigration bill, there were a lot of us didn't think too highly of him. Not that we wanted Irish men to come here, but if a fellow wanted to come, or a girl too, that they had as much right, and more than many, as much right as anybody to come into this country. That right is now denied him. It's like the old times. No Irish need apply. I was going to ask you that. What, did those signs really existed here? They sure did. And they could put it up now. So they and, I mean, followers of the Kennedys could have put it up in the immigration department. You did, no business in here. In fact, the FBI or whoever, what department it is, they're now tracking fellas down to see if they came in legally or not. When you came here first, was there any particular part of New York where the Irish congregated? They were all over New York. All over. How often do you get home to Ireland nowadays? Well, I suppose I nearly go every year, I don't know. Many, Sometimes many, often. Many Irish harbour the desire, no matter how long they're away, of going back. Do you have that notion at all? Uh, going back to and stay. stay. Well, you see, once your roots are here, so to speak, from the family point of view, it is not easy to pull up the tree and transplant. I suppose, too, when you go back to around camp and places, many of the old friends are gone. They are, indeed. You'd be surprised. Oh, I know. A fellow younger than me said at the funeral, you know, I was listening to him talking about this brother-in-law of mine. He lives to be a good age, and I'm older than him, so it stopped me thinking I'd better check up on this age stuff. I suppose, too, one gets whole families coming out here on Sundays and weekends. It's very much a community centre as well as a GA park. Well, you should be over there on a Sunday to see all the baby carriages up there. In fact, many a time I have to come in and heat the bottle. So you have a babysitting uh, operation? Oh, I'm uh, glad to do it. Why wouldn't I? Where do you live yourself in New York now? About a mile and a half from here. You're quite close to base all the time. Oh, yeah. 
Can't be wasting time and traveling. Now, this man we met earlier, Dan Kiley, do you remember his first day here? He must be all right, because I don't. You see, Dan, that's a compliment, I suppose, from John. <laughs> what Kiley else is it? Him. If he was bad, you can be uh, sure I'd remember it. I, I remember it distinctly myself, because everybody heard about John Kelly O'Donnell. Mm. I've heard about him a long time before I met the man. And the, the, the minute I, the first game I played here, I remember well, was with the Kelly Juniors in 1960. And he just barged into the dressing room and he says, where's the minor, Kiley? He says, I want to meet him. And uh, that was his first time he met me, and uh, or, and afterwards, uh, I remember that day, distinctly, I, I scored a goal. The, the Sullivans, who were good, famous footballers here at the time, Mickey and Eddie Sullivan, they were Limerick men, but they played with Kelly for years. I remember afterwards, the, uh, one of them was playing on the team with me, and um, he came in after I scored a goal, and he says, a hell of a goal you got, he says, and I want to see more of you. Well, that, that was my first meeting with John Kelly O'Donnell. What does Gaelic Park mean to you? Oh, it meant... To, to then, I, I, I'm back in Ireland for the last 10 years. Like to mm -hmm. then, it meant my whole life to me. And since then, it has meant, meant my life to me because um, uh, I made more friends and met more people and had more fun in Gaelic Park than I had in any place in my life. And, and I can say that for lots of other Irish people as well because we all met here, we fought here, we drank here, we did everything else here. We entered in Gaelic Park, we did it. It's a bit unfair in front of the man. How important is John Kelly O'Donnell to Gaelic Park and to the Irish here? He's like an idol. To, to Gaelic Park and to the Irish here. A lot of people knock him down. I've knocked him down myself. We often had a good row, the two of us. Uh, we made it up the, the day after. Uh, he often had a good row and he made it up the day after. That's the way we lived. Uh, if he had something on his mind, he set it out straight and, and, and it, it played an awful important part. He was like um, a figurehead to us. And he, he still led the life of, of the GA here in, 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 in New York and he still does. And we hope he will for many a long day to come. Can you follow that one, John? I can, I can go one better, I think. We had a, a, a banquet here a couple of weeks ago by Mick, uh, for Limerick, and Mickey Sullivan was the guest of honor. Mm -hmm. Well, he captained the team that was in Ireland in 1950 that won the first National League, first time in. So when he, it was his turn to speak, uh, naturally we were all waiting, it was his first time actually before the mic, as far as I know. So he got up and started off by saying, the best day of his life had to be the day he captained the New York team that won the National League in Dublin in 1950. The next best day he had was when he captained the Limerick, local Limerick team 
They won the junior championship the first time in 37 years. And then he drifted into what he really wanted to say in the first place. He said, uh, of course, playing with Kerry, he always played with us. Playing with Kerry for those years was, was just great. We were hardly ever beaten. Always won. But when we were beaten, we'd meet in the dressing rooms and Mr. O'Donnell here would be in there with his crying away and uh, sadness and all that, you know. But next day, when we'd be looking at our bruises and hoping that we'd be, get home to take a, a good hot bath, you know what O'Donnell would be doing? And people would say, no, I'll tell you. He'd be laughing like blazes on his way to the bank. And so, typically and sardonically, John Kerry O'Donnell ended our conversation in Gaelic Park, and within seconds, and this may be one of the badges of his success, the tall, spare figure was mingling casually, or so it seemed, with the hundreds who had come to see the unfortunately aborted game. The pitch, brown, grey and dirty, snow-white in patches, was soon freezing in the short New York spring dusk. A strange oasis of burned grass, and stone in the middle of the concrete and personal desolation of the Bronx. Gaelic Park closed its doors and drew its customers into the warmth of the long and seemingly endless bar. Fathers, mothers, aunts, uncles, children big and small, sipping. Sipping shorts, bourbon, scotch on the rocks, paddies, cokes so ice-shot in typically American fashion that you couldn't find the coke, and talking, always talking, flat-rounded monster accents perforated here and there by the short staccato rattle of a few footballers from Carrickmore and Tyrone. Everyone is going home, home to Ireland. Some have gone and some have come back. One man sipping a short and a pint looked nostalgically at the long bar and talked somewhat sadly of the fifties. The Irish at home, well, not quite what he expected. Not as warm, not as friendly. Cost a living too high. Not as neighbourly as before. What time do you close, I asked the barman. All depends, was his helpful reply. By 6.30 in the evening it was dark. Street lights, yellow and menacing, poked opaquely through the warm windows and towards the bar counter. John Kerry looked at his watch. Like starlings they all rose. Flurries of coats, baby cats, scarfs, farewells, God blesses. Heavy roar of heavy motors, exhausts sputtering towards tea time. John Kerry O'Donnell looked after them. He remained alone. This place, this Bronx, this Gaelic park, Ireland's American, Americans Irish, so they tell me. <laughs>